in Paul's day, just like in our day today, there were many philosophies, many paths or many ways to live your life and many people saying this is the truth and that is the truth. But we're not to be taken captive by worldly philosophy because empty philosophy produces empty people and takes us on a path to destruction. What we really need is God's wisdom found in Christ. And we'll explore that more today in Colossians 2 on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You turn to Colossians 2. Here's the point. People not only consulted the stars back in the day, and they still do today, they actually lived in fear of them. There were some people who said, if you were born under a lucky star, your future looked bright, pun intended. There was even a song, isn't it? You are my lucky star. How many of you have sung that song to your spouse? None of you? There's no romantic people in the room? If I sang it, there would be no romance left. <laughs> Not a good singing voice. They had them, they called them these astral spirits. And if you were born under an unlucky or unfortunate star, then sorry, dude, your life's just going to be a bummer. That's it. That was an attempt at an 80s teenager. Dude, my stars aren't lining up, man. And God says, do you know who made the stars? Do you know who calls them all by name? Don't look to the sun and the moon. And those are things that God can just go clap on, clap off. Sorry if you didn't get that one either. <laughs> and we look to the created thing rather than the creator. Many people get stuck looking to humanity. Oh, everything is based upon whether or not I can please this people group and be in with this person. Or, and we get caught up in these life philosophies rather than saying, you know what? It's about what God cares about me, what says about me. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we're taking every thought captive to the obedience, can I put it this way, the philosophy of Christ. We have an ultimate leader that we follow and some of you may be wrestling with whether or not he's worthy to follow. I understand that. I think that it's reasonable that you would check out the evidence. There's a movie out right now, it's based upon the case of Christ's story some of you are familiar with it. Some of you may have seen it, but it's Lee Strobel's story. And Lee was an atheist. He was working for the Chicago Tribune newspaper, a very, uh, you know, exalted position in terms of the, that world. And he was an, admittedly an alcoholic, and his wife became a Christian. And he said, in his own words, I heard him being interviewed recently, he said that when his wife became a Christian, he said it was the worst thing that ever could have happened to him. That's, that was his thinking at the moment. This is the worst thing that could ever happen because now this Jesus guy is in front of me. 
And I got a problem with that, right? You can imagine if someone is a non-Christian and the wife gets saved and she starts saying, Jesus is my love, he's first. You're like, wait a minute, what about me? And he said he was, he was literally jealous of Jesus. My wife is following this Jesus. So he set out on a journey to disprove Christianity, to disprove the resurrection using methods that he would use as a reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And you know what he found? He found as he began to research the evidence and to try to disprove it, and by the way, Lee Strobel's not the first to do this. There have been attorneys and skeptics who've done their homework and been converted as they did their research against Christianity. That's how powerful the evidence is. And he got saved. And his book, The Case for Christ, has obviously made a huge impact in the world. For, the word for is a connecting phrase, Colossians 2.9, tells you that the rest of the argument does collect, connect to uh, Colossians 2.8. For, in him, and here's the question, you know, is it true that in Christ is all we need? In him, notice, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In these circles, some people say it's early forms of Gnosticism that was this false teaching in Colossae. They would teach about this fullness. It's a term that they used. They believed that the divine, here's the Greek word pleruma, was divided in its expressions among the various emanations. Each got a decreasing share as they descended the ladder from good to bad. Paul, however, insists that all the fullness of deity, not part of it, dwells in Christ. Dwells means to settle down and to be at home. The present tense indicates that the essence of deity continually abides at home in Christ. All the fullness of the deity dwells in Christ in bodily form so that Jesus could say in John 14, 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now, in Old Testament times, in the life of Israel, God dwelt in a temple. At least his Shekinah glory would, would descend upon it. But technically, he didn't dwell there because even Solomon said, well, you know, I can't make a house big enough for you to dwell in. But he would allow his, his glory or his Shekinah to come on the tabernacle in the temple at given times. But now, God's expression, if you, if you will, in the new covenant God does not dwell in buildings made with hands, but he did dwell in a body, in a different kind of temple. And he dwelt in Christ, in his fullness. That's a hard thing to grasp, isn't it? That when you were seeing Christ, you were seeing God in his fullness. That's why I believe that when the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is talked about, Jesus is basically saying, you saw the miracles, you saw the Messiah, you saw me raise the dead, and if you attribute that work, the power of the Holy Spirit, to the devil, then there's nothing I can do for you anymore. If you could see firsthand the miracle-working Messiah by the power of the Holy Spirit and not believe, I don't know what else I can do for you. And so the fullness is in Christ, and it can be in you in this sense. You can be complete in him. Look at verse 10. And in him, you, if you're a believer, you have been made, what's your Bible say? You've been made complete. If you have an NIV, it says given fullness in Christ. And he is the head over all rule and all authority. Rule is RK in Greek, authority is exousia. Here's the idea. 
from Colossians 1, 15 through 20. These things that you are so fearful of, this philosophy that's coming down the pipe that you gotta, you gotta appease this sun god or moon god or astral spirit that controls this sphere or that, that is bogus. Christ made everything, and if you have him, you are complete, missing nothing. You have everything that pertains to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. Here's the question. Do you believe it? Well, I, not when I'm watching certain commercials. <laughs> Boy, that's... You know, there's, there's things in the world that we're like, we're drawn to. Complete, says J. Vernon McGee, is a nautical term, and it could be translated in this very vivid way. You are ready for the voyage of life in him. You are ready for the voyage of life in Christ, and whatever you need for the voyage, you will find in him. What is this fullness, you might ask? It speaks of a real spiritual fullness as opposed to emptiness or empty deception. It speaks of grace upon grace, John 1.16. Abundant life, John 10.10. The woman at the well, Jesus said, if you drink that water, you're going to what? Thirst again. But I can give you a water that will bubble up to eternal life. I can make you full in the spiritual sense. Now, all of us are trying to be good with our diets, but sometimes you just, you just can't. When there's like Thanksgiving Day, how many of you have said, I'm not going to do it this year. I'm just going to, I'm going to pace myself. I'm going to graze. You don't graze on Thanksgiving. You eat. I'm not talking about gluttony here. I'm just talking about being on the edge of gluttony. <laughs> Sorry. And you know, after you eat that meal, you say, I say something like this, man, I feel like I could never eat again. And then two hours later, it's like, where's that turkey? I'm going to make a sandwich. In Christ, you are spiritually full. Here's the metaphor. You don't have to go searching for other philosophies, other spiritual realities. You're full. How many of you remember the show Taxi? It was a great show. Oh, look at that. That's awesome. Do you remember Jim? He was like the ex-drug addict guy. So they go up in this cabin, and the bears steal all their food. And they're hungry, and they're snowed into the cabin. And so they haven't eaten for a couple days. Everybody's getting angry at each other, all feisty, right? And so Jim, in his ex-drug addict style, says, I'm not thinking about cheeseburgers. I'm not thinking about french fries. I'm not thinking about milkshakes. And everybody's going, shut up, quiet, be quiet. And he goes, you know something? I'm full. <laughs> I have no idea why I just shared that with you, but anyway. I'm just kidding. There was a point there. I'm full. That's what I could tell somebody. Spiritually speaking, I'm good. I'm full. I don't have to go searching elsewhere. I've got everything I need and more in Christ. I'm full. Amen? I've got everything I need for this journey, not only for this life, but the life to come. Verse 11. 
and in him you were also circumcised. With the You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Time can really get away from you. The day-to-day hustle can sometimes leave little time for the more important things in life, like Bible study. Remember that Pastor Michael's teachings can be heard at any time, day or night, on walkintruth.com. You don't have to worry that you have to get out of the car right now, because today's teaching is already online, ready for you to listen when it's most convenient for you. Visit walkintruth.com today to hear all of Pastor Michael Lance's teachings to date. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Verse 11. And in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, if you read commentaries on this, there's a little debate about what this means. Some say it refers to the violent death of Jesus But notice the language, it says, in him you were also circumcised. Circumcision was the Abrahamic covenant for the males on the eighth day. It was a sign of the covenant. But here it's a circumcision made without hands. Notice, explained in the removal of the body of flesh, here speaking of the fleshly desires of the old nature, by the circumcision of Christ. Here's what I believe is going on here, just simply put. When you get saved, you come into a new covenant. The old sign of the covenant for Abraham was a circumcision of the males, but that's not what the covenant's about now. In fact, there were hints of it in the Old Testament that the circumcision that God really cared about was a circumcision of the heart or of the ears, right? It it was more a spiritual thing than it was a sign. The sign simply was a physical manifestation of the reality of a spiritual thing. Uh, We're going to have somebody baptized. I think it's second service today. And uh, so the, here's the baptismal. And when this gentleman goes in the, into the baptismal, and I know him personally, I know he's already saved, he's going to give a sign of a spiritual reality. When you get saved, Christ performs a circumcision on you. Now, don't get nervous. <laughs> it's spiritual. And what he does is he cuts away the old nature and gives you a new nature instead. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. It is not simply uh, what, what God gives you is something that is a new nature. He doesn't want to just simply make you better. He wants to make you new. Amen? That's the distinction. So since circumcision was the sign of the covenant, I think this is a play on words here for Paul. And I think he's referring back to Abraham. And it may be that some of the false teachers in Colossae, because there was a form of Jewish teaching here, they were saying, no, you, you, you got to know these secret codes and you got to know the Greek philosophy and you got to be circumcised and you got to keep the food laws. And Paul's saying, no, you don't. There's a spiritual circumcision that happens. In fact, you were buried, verse 12, with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God. It's God's power. Working is where we get the word energy. Who raised him from the dead. Look at Colossians 3, verse 1. It could be rendered since, or if then you have been raised up with Christ, and you have, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Here's here's the challenge. This is what we are by reality, but we have to set our mind on things above, not the things of the earth, not the things that have to do with human tradition, man-made philosophy. You've been raised with Christ. And when you were dead, verse 13, in your transgressions, and you were, because... The wages of sin is death, verse 13. 
When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, I, I believe that refers to verse 11, before this spiritual meeting with Christ occurred, he made you alive together with him, notice this, having forgiven us, how many? All of our transgressions. Here's what this means. Because you're complete in Christ, you have total forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He has forgiven you, how many? All of your transgressions. You are, I don't know if we can all really get our arms around this, totally forgiven in Jesus Christ. Every sin, yeah, that's a good time for a hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every sin I've ever committed, if I'm in Christ, he's erased. You say, how's that possible? Because I'm in him, and when the Father sees me, he sees me through the perfection and the finished work of, his cro- of, of the cross, that is, his death and resurrection. And so this is what God is doing, imparting us life, and what comes with that is forgiveness. He has, verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt NIV says the written code consisting of decrees against us which was hostile to us. He has taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross. A couple years back the junior high uh, teenagers and uh, our seniors they did a thing where they decided that they would write their sins on a piece of paper and they went through a formal process. They took a hammer and nails and they had a cross similar to this one here. And they started nailing the the piece of paper um, to the cross. By the way, just so you know, nobody was going to peek at their, ooh, I think, what? It was kind of an anonymous ceremony kind of thing. If they said, I struggle with lust or jealousy or, you know, stealing or whatever it is. And, And they nailed it to the cross as a symbolic gesture of saying that this is what God has done for us. He has canceled out the certificate of debt. He has nailed our rap sheet to the cross. How long would your rap sheet be just today, would you say? Have you ever seen one of those old machines that just keeps spitting out the paper? And you wonder, when is this going to end? What would your rap sheet look like today if every sin, what you did, what you failed to do, and what you thought was all recorded on a rap sheet. How'd you be looking? Imagine that they had a DVD up in heaven. I think they have better technology up in heaven, personally. (laughs) And when you get there, they're going to play a DVD of all your actions, good, bad, ugly, what you failed to do, and they're about to hit the play button right now. Ready? And somebody comes up to heaven, right? Some people go, let's talk, God. I got questions. I'd like to straighten you out on a few things. When I get to heaven, you hear people talk like that. Oh, me and God, me and God. (laughs) He's like, hold on a minute. Do you have any idea how long your rap sheet is? It's going to take a couple of weeks just to print it out. Is that what you want to do? Or would you like that that IOU was nailed to a cross. I don't know if IOUs are still in fashion, are they? 
was the old cartoon? I, I gladly pay you Tuesday for a cheeseburger today. I'm sorry, these are all my weak illustrations, but was it Wimpy? What was it from Popeye, right? I'd gladly pay you Tuesday for a cheeseburger today. IOUs. I have to tell you that if you're not a Christian, you have a huge IOU. You say, well, I don't owe God anything. You sure? I think God believes that you do because he's made himself clear and there's a written code and whether it's the Jewish law on tables of stone or it's written on our heart, we know. We might better understand the expression having nailed it to the cross if we remember that it was customary under Roman law when a criminal was executed to place a placard above his head indicating the nature of the crime so that all who passed by would know the reason for the justice. J.B. Phillips says, Christ utterly wiped out the damning evidence of broken laws and commandments which always hung over our heads. He has completely annulled it by nailing it over his head to the cross. All debts canceled. What do you have hanging over your head right now? You know, sometimes we, we've seen illustrations where there's somebody sitting at a desk in a business office and there's a gun pointing over their head. They're like, I'm under the gun, man. Stacks of paper. Is that you? Are your IOUs scattered all over the desk? You're wondering, what am I going to do with this? I'm never going to catch up. You're not. But I have good news for you. Christ was nailed to the cross to deal with our debts. And if it were just my debts, the rap sheet would be pretty long. But it's everybody collectively get this canceled out means to wipe off like erasing a blackboard. Barclay says ancient documents were commonly written either on papyrus, a paper-like material made from the bulrush plant, or vellum, which was the hide of an animal. The ink that they used at that time had no acid in it and did not soak into the writing material. Since the ink remained on the surface, it could be wiped off if the scribe wanted to reuse the material. Paul says here that God has wiped off our certificate of debt, having nailed it to the cross. Not a trace of it remains to be held against us. If I took a whiteboard up here right now and I said, start naming your sins. <laughs> Don't do it. And I start writing them down. Okay, this, that, that, that. And I, I took a huge eraser and I erased the whiteboard. That's what Christ has done for us. He's erased the damning evidence against us, nailing it to the cross. When he was nailed to the cross, so were your sins. And now you're completely forgiven in Christ. And finally, verse 15 says, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those demonic spirits or astral spirits that everybody was afraid of. He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. This could be referring to his death and resurrection and current ministry. If you have an NIV, it says triumphing over them by the cross. I leave you with the words from Horatio Spafford's, it is well with my soul. He says, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross 
and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. It is well with my soul. How's your soul today? Would you say, I'm good, I'm complete, I'm in Christ, I'm full. Well, it's pretty normal for people to come up to us and say, how you doing today? But have you ever had someone ask you, how's your soul or how's your walk? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling complete in Christ? Would you say I'm full or would you say I'm empty and maybe even hopeless? Have you understood that when Jesus died, your sins were nailed to the cross and really what you need to do is receive what he did for you? Have you answered that ultimate question? Do I know Christ? Have my sins been forgiven? Well, please reach out to us. We'd love to pray for you. If you've opened your heart to Jesus Christ while listening to Walk in Truth, we'd really like to know. It would bless us. And we'd love to give you a Bible in return. You can contact us through the website at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. You can also get resources for your walk. There's lots of teaching up on the website that you can avail yourself to or you even purchase for your further growth. Check it all out at walkintruth.com. Well, make sure you come back tomorrow. We're going to continue in Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to ask the question, what is your definition of freedom? Are you free? Now, I'm talking about spiritual freedom, of course, on a spiritual level. We're going to get into that, how Jesus makes us free. That's tomorrow on Walk in Truth. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.